Back here on Darren Donick and Chase on this Thursday morning, this rainy cold Thursday morning here in Nashville. We're live at Pete and Terry's Tavern right here at Bridgestone Arena in lieu of tonight's final game of the month of October. Predators hosting the Calgary Flames to close out the month of October. They'll be back at it to close out the homestand Saturday afternoon. Remember that hockey fights cancer here Saturday afternoon, a one o'clock puck drop. I'll have pregame for you starting at noon and, uh, It'll be the New York Rangers in town before the Predators will hit the road for a while. Let's go to Charlotte. Kyle Bailey is one of the hosts on the clubhouse, WFNZ, there in Charlotte, to talk a little bit about the opponent for the Titans there on Sunday. Kyle, how you doing? Good, good. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Uh, so Carolina was rolling, man. We were even talking about them here. We're like, holy cow. Raise your hand if you're watching Kyle Allen in college and said, uh, yeah, sure. That guy will start winning games at the NFL level, and sure enough, an undrafted free agent strung together four consecutive wins, and then um, you went out to San Francisco, and uh, things obviously did not go Carolina's way. How would you assess the first seven games of the season for the Panthers to this point as they sit there with a four and three record? Oh, uh, well, I would I would start with you know Cam Newton in the preseason against New England uh, hurts his foot. I don't think anyone fully understood or appreciated the severity of that at the time. And then uh, after that happens, you know, we're told by team doctors and even a guy like Dr. David Chow, who joined me the day after, that, you know, it didn't look very serious and that uh, he should be ready in time for week one. And, of course, he was there in week one against the Rams. But it turned out Cam wasn't quite as healed and healthy as uh, a lot of people assumed he would be. And by about midway through the uh, the Tampa Bay game in week two, it became pretty apparent that Cam was uh, still too hurt to go. And they start in an 0-2 hole. Now, you know, there have been people here saying that, you know, had Kyle Allen started those first two games instead of an injured Cam Newton, that uh, they win probably one of those. And I would agree with that. I think they beat Tampa on that short Thursday night game. Uh, it's difficult to say they definitely beat the Rams because that's a good football team. But, you know, I, I think instead of an 0-2 hole, they probably start 1-1. One one. But then, as you know, Kyle Allen steps in week three. And uh, they rattle off four straight wins. They beat Arizona and Houston on the road and then come back and uh, beat a pretty tough Jaguars team in a really, really good football game here in, in uh, Charlotte. And then, and of course, go to London and, and beat the Bucks again. Now, I, I'll say this, you know, as far as Kyle Allen's concerned, uh, he looked good against Arizona in that first start. It's Arizona. That's not a great defense, not a great secondary, but give the kid credit. Uh, didn't look great against Houston. That was a game that was won by the defense. Christian McCaffrey has carried the load for the offense for the most part. So you know, I think you tip your cap to Kyle Allen and say this kid has come in and proven that you know, he's, he's a competent backup quarterback, but I, I don't, we don't know that he's much more than that right now. And I don't think San Francisco is a referendum on him either because San Francisco's defense is just incredible. But you know, I, I think right now all that optimism off of a four-game winning streak has kind of been put on hold until we see what, uh, what this team is moving forward. When they drafted Will Greer here in Nashville at the draft, what were their intentions with him? I mean, did they, did they view him? I know this is so early, and we've been talking about Kyle Allen, but did they view him as a, a possible replacement way down the road? I mean, how, how, what was their what did they say their intentions were when they drafted Will Greer? Uh, I don't. I mean, look, what they said behind closed doors will probably remain there, but uh, I don't think they drafted Will Greer as a future replacement for Cam Newton. Of course, that's always possible. But uh, I, I think they drafted Will Greer as an insurance policy as, as a backup quarterback. you got to remember that a year ago, Kyle Allen was on the street. I mean, he didn't even yeah. have a job. 
Um, and so this, this has been a surprise to most people. I, I do believe that they felt they had a talented guy in Kyle Allen with potential, but you know, between you know leaving Texas A&M and things ending kind of unceremoniously in Houston, and you know, at one point last year in training camp, Kyle Allen gets kicked out of a drill by the offensive line coach because he couldn't get the cadence right. And, you know, he was out of a job a few weeks later and then wasn't brought back until late last season, midway, when Cam Newton was obviously very injured. So Kyle was still very much an unknown, and Will was drafted, I think, with uh, the backup quarterback spot in mind to be an insurance policy. And he was very much up and down in the preseason. So I don't think they still know what they have in Will Greer, but the whole quarterback situation, as frustrating as it's been for fans this year, has uh, been pretty fascinating to see. You brought up Christian McCaffrey, and I'm I'm mad at him. I'm still mad at him. Uh, it's not his fault, but I had the number one pick in two uh, fantasy football drafts, and I took Barkley in both, and so I'm angry. That's your fault. More, yeah, I know. I said I'm more, <laughs> I was going to say I'm more angry at myself uh, than anything. But uh, Christian McCaffrey has uh, been spectacular, as you know. I mean, uh, this guy just keeps getting better and better uh, in year three. I mean. I think we, we talked about it a lot last week just because the Bucks were the opponent and the Bucks were like the only team that have been able to really slow him down when it comes to his rushing yards in the two uh, the two meetings, but really nobody's been able to slow him down. What what do you make of his season as you guys approach the midway point? Yeah, I mean, the, the only team that's been able to, to stifle him in terms of yardage has actually been the Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, interestingly enough. And that, you know, the first time out, like I talked about a minute ago in that week two Thursday nighter against the Panthers, it became very obvious, uh, somewhere in about the, the first or second quarter that Cam Newton had re-aggravated the injury, made it worse, and that he was just not going to be effective. I mean, no, never mind not running. Cam was unable to really plant without pain and throw accurately. And so they were really able to double down on Christian McCaffrey. I think they held him to 56 yards that night and, and kept him out of the end zone. And there was that final play on fourth and a foot where you know, Christian kind of ran a stretch play, and instead of turning it up and likely scoring, he tries to outrace the defender to the pylon and, and gets run out of bounds. And so, you know, even the second time around against Tampa in London, he scored a couple of touchdowns but only rushed for 59 yards. Now, the game's outside of that. Uh, he's been fantastic. Multiple times he's had at or over 200 yards from scrimmage, multiple touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey is, uh, I think it's easy to say, the top three back in the NFL and it's very much, a, uh, I think, an MVP candidate if he continues on this pace. Now, as you two know, we, we've not often seen running backs win that award in the past 20 years. It's only happened about four times, three or four times. So, you know, I, I'm not betting on Christian McCaffrey to win the award, but he's putting up numbers right now deserving of recognition. We're talking Carolina Panthers here on Darren Donick and Chase with Kyle Bailey from WFNZ and and. You know, Christian McCaffrey, obviously the biggest part of this offense. But DJ Moore, I've been impressed with him uh, as he's uh, been developing as a wide receiver. What have you seen out of Moore that gives Kyle Allen another target? Well, interestingly, uh, Steve Smith Sr. Uh, comes on my show every Tuesday. And you know, if you recall back during the draft last year, you know, Smitty made the proclamation that the Panthers had never been able to replace him until then. And, and he wholeheartedly endorsed uh, DJ Moore. And DJ's had his moments, but DJ also has had some fumbling issues, and DJ has unfortunately at times kind of disappeared. He's got ability. He's great after the catch. Um, he's, he's just got really good football instincts. But, you know, right now there are complaints uh, in this fan base about uh, these two young wide receivers, DJ and Curtis Samuel, just being too inconsistent. And as a matter of fact, you know, Steve came on with me two days ago, and 
kind of uh, lambasted both of these young wide receivers, DJ included, for their lack of consistency and their lack of toughness lately. And uh, that made headlines, of course, in the Athletic and a few other places. And look, I, I think it's it's fair to a degree. Nobody sees the position and, and understands that position any better than a guy like Steve Smith. I also think that um, you know Kyle Allen, being a young quarterback, and you know at times being a one-read quarterback, has oftentimes missed open receivers, hasn't gone through his full progression, and. You know, there, there, there have been times where DJ and Curtis were open, but Kyle just didn't get the ball there. So I, I think it's kind of tough right now to evaluate DJ as a whole, just given some of the quarterback issues over the past two years, Cam's health, you know, Kyle's inconsistency. But you know, overall, I still like him as a young player. I still think he's got a bright future. And you know, if, uh, if they can get Cam Newton back and healthy on the field, or if Kyle Allen can continue to get better and you know be able to find these open receivers a little more consistently, I think you'll see DJ continue to settle down a bit. Defensively, uh, you know the Titans played the Bucks last week, and for a long time, Gerald McCoy was was a staple on that defense. Now he is with the Panthers. What have you seen out of McCoy that has helped that defensive front? You know, uh, Gerald is he's such a fun guy to cover, and he's such an interesting guy to talk to. He's not the twenty six year old Gerald McCoy that was wrecking shop in Tampa, but. He's still a, a pretty good version of himself. And I think before coming into this past game against San Francisco, Pro Football Focus had him uh, tied pretty much with Aaron Donald for the most, uh, I think, of, uh, maybe first or second most pressures on the defensive line in the league. But, the, you know, the sack numbers aren't there. The traditional box score numbers that you might look for are, are not going to jump off the page with Gerald this year, but he's been effective. And, you know, he's been a blessing for them, maybe outside of Sunday, because. They lost their Pro Bowl tacker, tackle uh, KK Short a couple of weeks back to a shoulder injury. He's on IR and done for the season. So, you know, having Gerald has uh, been a blessing on a couple of fronts. Don Terry Poe's obviously there alongside him. And Kyle Love, who's been a rotational guy, has had to step up a little bit. Guys like Vernon Butler and F.A. Obata as well. So, you know, without, uh, without Gerald, uh, now without KK Short, things would probably be a lot worse. But, you know, again, this is a you know what a, a six-time Pro Bowler, ten-year veteran, and you know a guy who's who can still flat-out play. And the Panthers are going to continue to have to lean on him down the stretch here uh, to get better up front and, and continue to stop or try to continue to stop the run because they're struggling a bit there right now. But I don't think it's something that can't be adjusted and fixed. I thought it was pretty cool too uh, when when Carolina went out to San Francisco. Gerald McCoy couldn't return to Tampa to his son's senior night, but some of his former teammates were able to go and represent him uh-huh. i thought that was pretty cool yeah it was really cool i mean it was fun to see i mean you know fans get caught up in uh you know like rivalries if you will or um you know the hatred for other teams but sometimes we forget that even though these guys switch uniforms they maintain pretty strong relationships uh where they left and to see james winston and mike evans and you know, a couple of the guys there in camp will go out and support his son there on senior night i'm, I'm with you i thought that was fantastic how do you think the secondary is going to be able to exploit Ryan Tannehill? Because Ryan Tannehill has been throwing the ball a lot. He's been spreading it around. But, you know, we knew here in Tennessee that uh, he was prone to throw interceptions, and we haven't seen that as much so far uh, during his tenure as the starting quarterback. But the secondary for Carolina, led by James Bradbury with interceptions, I mean, I'm sure that they have studied him. Yeah. Um, you know, this, this, this secondary has been pretty opportunistic so far this year. They, they picked off Jameis Winston five times over in London, um, which, you know, inflated those numbers a little bit, but they had still already been pretty good. And, you know, Dante Jackson's been hurt on and off, and that's a guy with a lot of uh, big play potential, but he also misses tackles. And, 
you know, will occasionally get burnt. So there's been a lot of boom or bust there. I'm glad you mentioned Bradbury because uh, he's just been exceptionally consistent. He's in a contract year as well, so he's going to get paid somewhere, here or, or somewhere else, because that guy is just the model of consistency. And he's the anti-corner, he, he's the anti corner too. I mean, he's, he's not one of these diva cornerbacks who's always talking, always jabbering, always looking for attention. It, it's quite the opposite. He's just very much a lunch pail, you know, put his head down and go to work kind of guy. So he's tough to deal with. Ross Cockrell, a, a local kid who played at Duke, you know, he, he's been very steady in some of what he's been asked to do. Eric Reed's been having a good season. Now, again, a lot of this has been cut. A lot of the conversation this week is colored by the fact they just got their tails kicked in San Francisco on Sunday. So people are a little bit down on them. But, you know, going into this past weekend, there was a lot of praise being thrown around for, for that secondary and the way that they have played. And, you know, I think with Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, before Sunday's game having you know, thrown seven touchdowns but six interceptions as well, I, I think people had the expectation that, you know, Jimmy would give it away a little bit more. Luke Keekley picked him off once, but the secondary didn't really get anything. So I think they're going to be chomping at the bit uh, to get back on track and, and look to steal a few from Ryan Tannehill on Sunday. Kyle, we appreciate the visit. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out on Sunday in Charlotte. Thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll do it again down the road. Anytime, guys. I appreciate it. All right, that is Kyle Bailey with WFNZ there in Charlotte. He's the host of the clubhouse. And, of course, the Panthers and Titans will kick off noon central on Sunday in Charlotte. And then uh, the Titans will get the Chiefs here, and then it'll be a bye week. And it looks like Mahomes is getting closer and closer to returning. I doubt he plays this week, but probably will be back for that Titans game. But first up, it'll be the Panthers. We'll come back. More of Darren Donick and Chase on the other side, ESPN 1025, the game.